What he's really asking is, who is going to be my place that I can always run to when I'm hurt? And who is going to be the place that will always love me tenderly when I'm feeling broken? And who is going to love me with such a powerful love that he's going to be able to reach into my grave when I die and pluck me out into life? Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. You all have mothers, you all have brothers. Some of you have sisters, some of you have brothers. You all have family. You all have family of one sort or another, and every family has its baggage. That's something that has been taught to me for a long time, that every single family, without exception, has its issues. I've seen already in my short life and in my even shorter ministry how that's been true. And so I want to encourage you today. I, I don't do this very often. I'm going to do it today. I want to encourage you to take this sermon deeply to heart and take this teaching from Jesus deeply into your heart. And the way that you're going to be able to do this best is to take this text and to take this sermon deeply personally. I'll encourage you to do that today because what we have in front of us is an amazingly healing text from Jesus. He shows us that even though we all have brokenness in our families, He gives us a family. He shows us a family that will always be there for us, always love us, always protect us. We'll read from Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. Matthew writes, While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to Him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of the Lord. If you know me at all, and many of you do at this point, you know that I love my little family. You know that I love them deeply and tenderly and fiercely and protectively, and I always knew I would, but, but you can't know what that love is going to feel like until you hold that little baby in your arms. I remember a day, it was probably four or five days after we brought Theo home from the hospital for the first time. I came home from school, I think it was my last day of school before Christmas break, and I saw Karis just holding Theo in her arms on the couch and just bawling her eyes out. <laughs> and I asked her, hey, what's going on? And she told me, I just love him so much. 
See, what was going on is she had been reading Theo this book, I'll Love You Forever. It's the story of a mom and her baby boy, and right as this boy is born, and as he grows up into a man and has, her own, has his own little baby, she repeats this phrase to him over and over again. She says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Over and over again, she repeats that. And Chorus had been a mom for about four days at this point, I think. And already she knew. She knew that she would love this baby boy as long as she's living, no matter what. She knew she'd sacrifice for him. She knew that she'd protect him. And that's what made her crack. And so I come in the door from school, and I am determined to be the strong dad figure that's able to sit down on the couch and and read all the way through this kid's book without crying, and I almost do it. I almost made it to the end. I got to that part where the mom has grown old, and she's actually, she's dying. And her son comes to her deathbed, and he speaks these words to her. I'll love you for always. I'll like you forever. As long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. There's not much love that compares to the love between a parent and a child. Mary loved Jesus like that. She loved him He was her firstborn son. He was her baby boy. She loved him. From the very beginning, she loved him and she made sacrifices for him. You think about when when he was conceived in her womb by the Holy Spirit, she was already making sacrifices. She sacrificed her reputation. And then there was that... There was that ride all the way to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey while she was just so pregnant. And then there was the birth in the manger among the animals. And then there was the diapers. I don't even want to think about what diapers were like at the time of Jesus. Then there was the nursing. And then there were the thousands of times where Mary was chasing Jesus around the house and stopping him for the thousandth time from gashing his chin open on the chair that that Joseph had just brought in from his workshop. And then there was the time where Joseph had woken Mary up in the middle of the night and told her, I just had a dream where an angel appeared to me and said, we got to go to Egypt. Because the king, he's coming to Bethlehem and he's going to kill all the boys. And Mary's heart rose up within her like a mama bear and said, we're going now. We're going to protect our son. And there were all the times... And Mary had taken Jesus' sweet little face in her hands and she had whispered in her heart, maybe in her ears, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And this is how Jesus repaid her. 
She's standing outside wanting to talk to him, and, and Jesus just stands there. And yeah, it's worse than that, right? Not only did Jesus deny the request of his mom, he actually proposes a question to a whole group of strangers in front of him. He says, who is my mother? Can you imagine the emotional dagger that must have been to Mary's heart? As if anybody in the world could have the same kind of relationship that she had with her baby boy. Can you imagine how that dagger must have just knocked the wind out of her? And Jesus just stands there. Poor Mary, right? Well, not so fast. I mean, I think we can all look at this and see that this was not Mary's most perfect mothering moment. I mean, she knew this. She knew that Jesus was going through a a tough stretch here. She knew that this was probably the most emotionally bruising stretch that Jesus had experienced in his life so far. We've been talking about this stretch in our sermon series for the last four weeks. Jesus had just taken it on the chin for his disciples in that Sabbath controversy. And then he had to leave his home congregation because his fellow congregants had decided to become homicidal against him. And he still had the ringing of his ears with the bullying of the Pharisees who had called him. Do you remember what they called him? The Lord of the Flies. It's the kind of stretch where you're just so overwhelmed and you're so stressed out that you just wish that you could pull back and be in a place that's going to be safe and be among people that you can trust. But what happened? The people that Jesus should have been able to retreat to, the people that he should have been able to trust the most, the people who should have understood the purpose of his ministry the most clearly, they disappointed him. Matthew writes this, he says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers, they stood outside wanting to speak to him. I think you can see this for what it is. This isn't Jesus' mother and his brothers standing outside saying, Hey, Jesus, we know that your talks, they're not getting good reviews. We know that they're controversial. We know that you're mostly getting booed at your TED Talks here. Let's go home and we'll have family dinner about it. I mean, this wasn't family coming to relieve Jesus and save him from a bad situation. This was family coming to try and recall him. It wasn't James and Jude, Jesus' younger brothers, coming with a note and, and, and subtly slipping it into his hand, saying, Jesus, we got brunch reservations. We want to go out and spend time with you. This was his mother and brother standing outside and sending in a messenger who is going to announce in front of everybody that his mother and brothers want to talk to him. 
This was Jesus finding out in a public way that his family is embarrassed of him. That he's become the family black sheep. That his family is trying to come and roll him up so that he's out of the public view for a little while. Tell Jesus we're outside. We'll have a family chat. And we'll figure this whole thing out. I think we have to get that about this situation. That this wasn't the perfect family doing the perfect thing. I think we have to understand that about Jesus' life because oftentimes when Jesus tells us about what family is supposed to be, I think oftentimes we have in the back of our heads saying, Jesus, okay, I get it, but you have the perfect family. How are you going to tell me about my broken family? I think we have to see in this text that Jesus was feeling a family that was hurting him. That Jesus was feeling a family that even though his family thought they were doing the right thing for Jesus, they were actually being quite dysfunctional towards him. Even biblical Mary messed up family. And I don't say that to make Mary look bad because I think I would have done the same thing. It is not surprising to me that Mary and Jesus' brothers did what they did. They wanted to protect Jesus. They had heard that Jesus was on the other side of the law. They had heard that people were trying and plotting to kill Jesus, and so they wanted to do what they could to keep him close, to keep their, their nuclear biological family from slipping through their fingers. And so Mary did what she thought she had to do to protect her family. And I don't blame her for doing that. I think I would do the same thing. I think any of us would do the same thing. You see, God has planted this in us. He's planted in us this truth that we are people who were designed to always have a place where we are safe. And to always have a place where we are loved tenderly and protected, we are made to have a perfect family. And how many of us have that? None of us. None of us have that. I said that at the beginning of the sermon this morning. Every family has baggage. Every family has its issues. None of us have a perfect family. As a pastor, you have privileged me with some of your stories. And I've seen it in some of your eyes how many families are experiencing dysfunction right now. And how many families have experienced abuse? Spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. How many families have experienced abandonment where mom wasn't there or dad wasn't there? 
How many families have experienced and are experiencing brokenness? There is no family that is perfect. And even in the most perfect and holy and godly families, even in those families, there is still hurt and pain. Did you catch it in this week's text? I caught it, and I think I caught it because I'm a dad, and I think I caught it because it touches on one of my greatest fears as a dad, that I'm not going to always be there for my family, and that I might not be here to see the grandkids. Did you notice in this text, Joseph wasn't there. Joseph wasn't there. We don't know why he wasn't there, but it's in all likelihood that he had died. Even in the most perfect, godly family, there is pain. None of us have a perfect family. But I want to tell you something today. And this is what I want you to take so deeply to heart. That's why I wanted to encourage you that from the beginning today, I want you to encourage, be encouraged in this, that Jesus wants you to have so much hope for having a perfect family. For having a place with perfect safety, perfect love, perfect protection. And Jesus is so tender about it. He's so subtle about it. He wants you to ask this question, the question that he asked on that day. Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? He wants you to ask that question, and he wants you to see what he's really asking. What he's really asking is, who is going to be my place that I can always run to when I'm hurt? And who is going to be the place that will always love me tenderly when I'm feeling broken? And who is going to love me with such a powerful love that he's going to be able to reach into my grave when I die and pluck me out into life? Who is going to be able to do that? I'll tell you. He's the one who did not allow biology or last name, or facial structure, or skin tone, or anything like that, have claim on him and who his family would be. He's the one who did not allow for us to lose our hope in having a perfect family. The man who refused to go to Mary, but instead stretched out his arm and said, here is my family. Right here is my family, the people that are gathered around my word. These are the people that I will love with my life. These are the people that I will never violate, that I will never use. These are the people that I will run to when they call. These are my family. 
Jesus says it like this. While he was saying these words, while he was asking that question, he reached out and he pointed to his disciples. Sort of. It was as if he was using them as an object lesson. You see, he wasn't pointing to his disciples and he's saying, these specific people are my family and they are replacing those specific people who are hurting me today. He's not doing that at all. What he's doing, and this is deeply emotional for Jesus, what he's doing is he's stretching his arm out over his disciples and he's adopting them into his family. These are my family. He stretches his arm out over them like a mother would stretch her arm out over her children to protect them, like an older brother would stretch his arm out over his siblings, protecting them from the bullies on the playground of life. Stretching his arm out over them, gathering him in under his arm and welcoming him to a new family of which he is the first member. stretching his arm out over them to show them that he will protect them with his body. And he did do that, right? He protected them. He protected us with his body. He gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross to welcome us into a forever family to eternally protect you and to eternally forgive you. And some of you need to bury that deep in your hearts today. Because I'm guessing that there's a dad in here this morning who in his heart has been feeling lately that he's not been enough for his family. Dad, I want you to know you are forgiven And I'm guessing that there's a mom in here this morning who's got a list in her head of all the things that she wishes that she had been doing for the sake of her kids and for her family. I want you to know, Mom, you are forgiven. Jesus forgives you. He stretches his arm out over you and gathers you in into his forgiveness into his love, into his protection. I want you to know this morning where that perfect family can be found. It's only here, underneath the outstretched arms of Jesus. There might be a grandma here today who has been rushing around doing everything that she possibly can to spend more and more time with the grandkids because she's worried about when that time is going to run out. And there might be a man here today who wouldn't say it out loud but is deeply angry with his dad because his dad wasn't there for him and didn't teach him how to live. And there might be someone here today who has experienced abuse in their life and is wondering whether they can ever find a family that they can trust. 
And there might be a mother-in-law or a father-in-law here today who has gotten bitten by family in the past and is wondering whether they'll ever get that family back. And there might be a husband or a wife here today who's in the middle of a, fa- of, a, of a marriage that's feeling kind of broken right now and is wondering whether life will ever come back into it. I don't know about those situations, but I do want you to know Jesus has stretched his arm over you. And he has welcomed you into his family. I tell you what, there's a dad who needs to know that today. And by the way, if I don't make it through this paragraph without crying, it's not because I'm sad, it's because I'm happy. As this sermon was coming into view for me this week, I read this book with Theo again, and all those emotions came back up in me, all those, those feelings of love for a son. And as we finished the book, I imagined Jesus' arm stretching itself out over me, and bringing me in. I imagine how powerful that arm is and how powerful it will be for me to pluck me out of my grave someday. To pluck my son out of his grave someday. I imagined how that arm It's outstretched and it's writing the words and the sentences and the paragraphs to the family history that already has its ending written. I finished the book and I asked Theo, who loves you like that? And he said, Jesus does. And I cracked. (laughs) Because right then and there, I knew that the little boy and the little girl who make my heart dance, I will dance with them forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, all of us are searching for family. You know if there are people in this room who in their hearts are worried they're never going to find the family that they need. They've been so hurt and so broken. Lord, show them that they are a family. Lord, you know if there are people in this room who think that the only family that they can have is biological. Lord, show them that you have eternity for them and then you have a greater hope for them. Lord, place our hearts in you and your promise that by faith in you, we are all true family forever. 